some scary shit. This is the longest break we've ever had since we started this podcast. Isn't that insane? And I just want to say, y'all, it was not intentional. It wasn't. Life life happens things things happen things transpire but let me just be the first to say that um we are so happy to be back we have missed you all so much like what's up podcast people what is how is how have you been what's going on in your neck of the woods how was your holidays how was your new year were they merry was it a celebration what's going on how are you guys how are y'all Gosh, and then so many changes. Our wonderful, lovely interns are no longer with the podcast. It was only for a season, but Andrew and Michaela, they did a great job with their internships with us. We are very grateful for all the help that came from them with season seven. And we had a really good time. I really hope that, you know, with it being an internship, that they could take all that they learned and hopefully apply it to future positions or roles. And I just hope that they enjoyed it as much as we did. So thank you, Andrew and Michaela, once again, for all of your wonderful help and input with season seven. Mm -hmm. And now we're on to season eight. Season eight. This is the... I, I feel so anxious about it because the, it, we're we're almost at a hundred, Jared. We're almost at a hundred episodes, isn't that like I can't? Oh, oh. Centennial scary crit. I just can't believe it. It's wow. gonna be great. This will be the in September. This will be the third year that we've been doing this, and I mean it's already 2023. That's just wild to even say. Like it is we're recording this on January 8th, 2023. Rah rah. So we are eight a uh, week and one day into the new year, and. I just feel, you know, I just feel ready. Like I have missed recording and being. It has been very yeah. odd to like not do anything on a Sunday. Yeah. So I'm I had to go find to- my podcast mic too. Like I had packed it up because we were cleaning stuff. And then I like, I sat down and I was like, oh, oh my God, I'm recording today. <laughs> where's, yes. Where yes. Am I, where's my equipment? <laughs> yes. We're recording today. I woke up this morning like, yes, we're recording today. Yes. So here we are. We're back and better than ever. I don't know, but we're just we're just happy to be back. Mel, I I did want to ask you a question. Aside from well, first of all, we asked everyone how they were, but how are you? I am good. I'm good. I'm coming up on my thirty first revolution around the sun. <sighs> oh my god! This Friday, people. No. So as, as this episode is airing tomorrow. Oh, yes. So tomorrow on Friday the 13th. Wait a minute. Yes. It's, of course, only Mel. Only Mel's birthday would be on Friday the freaking 13th. Maybe Jason will come and bring you the cake. You know, just make sure you're not riding the same subway car as him because he will push you the fuck out of the way. (laughs) My God, today. Um, But yes, Mel's turning the big 3-1 on Friday, and I am very excited and happy for her. We'll be celebrating by having a double feature of Knives Out and Glass Onion at her place. I am so excited because I have not... I've been 
holding off on seeing Glass Onion until I can watch it with Mel. Mel has already seen it, but I have not. I know it is live on Netflix now, but I have been waiting and dodging spoilers like The Matrix. So <laughs> I am very excited. And I'm, I just, I, and I've, Janelle, Janelle Monet has gotten such positive receptions for her role. So I can't mm-hmm. wait to experience that. But so, everybody, her. Dave Batista, amazing, like phenomenal job. Daniel Craig, everyone is making fun of because they're like, oh my God, look at him happy. It's <laughs> like this last couple of years of James Bond, he was just like not about it. And now here he is, like whole again. <laughs> Every time I see that man, I just have to be like, that's Evie's husband because, you know, he's married to Rachel Wise. And I just, mm-hmm. it's just, that is so wild to me. Like that, like, that's your wife like evie is your from the mummy is your wife and james bond and evie are married it's just it's it's a lot for me but i and the way he like how do i say this like become this this character like from the accent it's just oh i'm so excited for the sequel because i've heard nothing but uh positive good things also i wanted to say i'm doing okay Yes, I was going to ask, like, we have to talk Um, about how you're doing, how you've been, what did you do over the break, Um, etc. I've I've been okay. You know, the year kind of, uh, um, Halloween was not what I thought it was going to be, uh, just, um, and since then it's just kind of like, okay, what is, what is life? But, um, winter, um, break uh, you know, for Christmas, I, I flew back to Denver, um, which is where I'm from, you know, I'm from Denver, Colorado, um, and I got to see so many um, old friends from, like, uh, some from high school, like, old teachers, and um, some all the way from elementary school, and um, some old friends from college. Um, it was just a good time, and I was very um, replenished from my um winter vacation back home i was there for nine days i flew out there and i took the train back and so many people look at me crazy when i say that i took the train like i tell people at work i was taking the train back and they just they looked at me like i grew another head and i'm just like what it's only 43 hours it's fine it's only three trains it's fine and it was fine because you know what free bags did not have to pay to put my bags on the train did not have to pay to check my bags on the last train you get more leg room in both coach and business than you do on coach in the plane like and the views mel the views you just yeah. can't pass that up you can't i love pass that it. up but i will pass that up for a two-hour commute uh, okay okay i i i i see that but i took the train back because it was about $200 cheaper than the plane back. And also, I had the time. I didn't have to be back at work until this third because they observed the second as New Year's Day at the office. But other than that, the question that I had for you, Mel, because I do have a question. <laughs> what was one of your favorite horror movies from 2022? Wow. Yeah. Um... I'm, I'm putting you on the spot. You know what I really liked or one that really stands out to me in that that's a film that was a good addition to a franchise mm. VHS 99. Yes, I would have to agree. It was so well. I would done. have to agree. I would certainly have to agree. I just I love that series a lot. I love it a lot and I love that it just it always brings in so much different talent because they they're all different 
like it's because it's an anthology film so it's all different directors and writers with each piece and it's just it always brings you something different Mm. and i think the the last one where they went to hell or whatever um the best one oh my god that one was that i think that was the most ambitious but the vhs series yeah, I think that is the most ambitious the VHS series has been yet, and it was a it was a phenomenally well done, like so well done. I was very impressed. Um, even and, the opening, even the opening was very good. But then the other one where the, the 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 guy who was trying to make cybernetics or whatever was so disturbing. I think that that because I think twenty twenty two was a was a big year for franchise resurgences or franchise editions. And there were a lot of like big hitters last year, but I think that VHS 99 was just a very well done film. Yeah. So, and then, you know, a sleeper that I don't hear a lot of people talking about the innocence. Have you seen it? No. Foreign See, language. I'm, I'm one of those people. It was very good. It was very like, I don't even know how to explain it. Hold on. <laughs> it's this uh horror film that's focused around these kids in like a like a housing project and one of them has superpowers and then like turns evil as the vibe oh no but it's body horror it's a lot of like malicious activity going on but it's a very good story and it's interesting to see how like the, the play on the like the idea of like the innocence of children and what happens when you know the 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 hashtag FTK is personified. <laughs> so that's the one you would recommend. Mm-hmm. That in VHS. Mm-hmm. I have one, and it came out near the top of the year in February. Um, I saw it, and I was very very impressed um, by because it, it was a period piece, and it was a creature feature. And I just felt it was so very well done, but it's so underrated. I don't think a lot, a lot of people really didn't go to see it. It didn't have like a big, it didn't make it like a dent um, anywhere. But I think the critical reception was pretty positive. But um, the um, the cursed, the cursed. I never um, watched it. I never got around to watching it. I actually went to the. I actually went to the Lincoln Square and saw it um, on a. Did I go on a Tuesday? Yes, I think I went on a Tuesday. I saw it on the Tuesday matinee, discount Tuesdays. Uh, not not very many people in the theater, but I had I loved it. I had such a good time. It was genuinely scary. It built excellent tension. The acting was very well done. Um, the original title it was, which I, the one I wish they would have kept. Um, it used to, it was called Eight for Silver. I, I really wish they would have kept that one. Boyd Hol- Holbrook, who played John McBride, did a phenomenal job. Yeah, just that it was one of the best werewolf movies I have seen in recent memory, and also had a very like memorable and original creature design for the werewolf. Like it was just, it was just very, very well done. I really do wish more people would have gotten to see it because it only made 4.6 million at the box office. Like, Oh, it yeah, just, but the marketing wasn't all that. This is as true. As far as I can remember. The marketing. I do wish was more ramped up for this, but I think it was a, it was a quiet horror film. 
um, but a very, very effective one. Like I really enjoy it. I need to watch it again because I haven't seen it since the one time I watched it, but it left such an impression on me. Like I highly recommend if people have not seen the cursed, you know, I think it, I think it's um, available for streaming on Hulu right now. Yes. We'll find out and put it in the show notes. Yes. It's on Hulu right now. So you guys can definitely hop on there and have a look. It's just, it's very, very well done. Oh, I loved it. The cursed. Yes. Please check it out. But that was, you know, our recommended movies from 2022. Now let's jump back into the present of 2023 and let us open for the first time this year, the first time in a long time, the friggin' Negronomicon. Why are you saying it like that? That was, that was exciting. That was, I was saying it in like an exciting way. Just like, I just like, I missed it. It didn't come off excited. It came off. It did not come off excited. (laughs) No, like, I want to, no, let's, let's open it. Let's open her up. Let's talk. Let's, let's get into it. Okay. So, (laughs) I don't know what y'all did Friday. But um, me and Mel definitely went over to the Magic Johnson, and we had to check out our new bestie, Miss Megan, you know, from Bloomhouse, Akila Cooper, who is the same screenwriter who pinned, you know, Malignant, which got basically negative reception from us. <laughs> but she, bad. It just, you know, it wasn't, how, how, how do I say, it wasn't my cup of tea. You know, it just didn't, it just didn't do it for me. But um, she also wrote Hellfest uh, from 2018, which I actually did like. Um, I like that. Is that what I'm I'm thinking about? Hold on. Yeah, they were at the, they were at the theme park and. uh, I didn't like the way it ended. That is a, that is a big part of my problem with the, with the films that she writes. I I love her. She doesn't know how to end them. I stand black women all day, but these endings sometimes kill me. Because the Hellfest ending was so dumb. Why are we back at this broad? Like, why are we back at her house? I was annoyed. Anyways. So, yeah, she pinned Hellfest and the upcoming The Nun 2, uh, which apparently comes out sometime this year. But she made this one. And I feel like, well, I I loved Megan. I just want to say that right now. I had a good time watching Miss Megan at the theaters because as you all may already know the haunted or kills cursed or killer doll subgenre of horror is one of my favorite subgenres of horror of all time like for life forever this became this began very early on for me as a child uh via slappy from goosebumps and chucky from the child's play series like i remember i had I think my dad had recorded uh, Bride of Chucky on VHS tape during like a, when it was on TV, like he had recorded it because there were like commercials for Mad TV, like at the end of it, like I remember it very clearly, but I grew up watching Chucky. I grew up reading and watching Slappy from Goosebumps. I have always loved the killer doll subgenre. And so when, you know, we have another edition um, with Megan, you know, because the poster and news of about it dropped um what october september maybe um and with this coming out you know now in january to build you know interest i was very i was very curious i was very i was immediately interested because it's 
killer doll genre, but also it's the whole AI thing. This is not a doll that is possessed. This is not a doll that's cursed. Uh, there's no supernatural. This is all like man-made AI. Like, you know, I'm sorry, I can't do that. I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. 2001 Space Odyssey, all that. So, and we saw that done before with the remake or uh, reboot of Child's Play that came out a couple years ago, which was not good. It was mm. it was not good. But what I want to say with um, Megan is, I feel like it did everything that that movie was trying to do, and it was everything that that movie could have been but it was just it was very well done but the biggest thing about megan which i think is why it has gotten such positive reception and it's made all this money at the box office is because it's fun it's very fun i think because it's like you said so we're in the a sci-fi world of we create an ai that that tries to take over right we've seen that time and time again And then by melding it with what I think was the perfect opportunity of the possessed doll archetype works Mm -hmm. really well. It just it just paired well together. It didn't try to do too many things. It stuck to the beats and the rhythms of what we already expect from those types of stories and just executed it very well. The execution was on point. Right. Like Akilah's pin was on fire. Like every CGI, the effects. Oh, yes. Everything worked. I think a lot of the times where horror films go wrong is when they try to break outside of a box. No, baby. Stay in the box. Oh, this. Oh, listen, this, this. (laughs) Megan was in the playhouse. Megan was in like that, that toy box that has all the things and you just open it up and it's a smorgasbord. But what, and I'm saying this because Megan was very over the top but it was intentionally over the top. Like it never, like it was doing this, like it knew it was this movie and it owned that like every step of the way. Um, and you can see it through like the uh, the dialogue that was written for Megan. She had, she follows this like unspoken rule of mind where, especially a horror movie, like the antagonist, the killer, the villain, uh, the possessed, if it's supernatural, especially that and all that stuff, like, Though they those characters are supposed to have the best lines, like the they best dialogue. Because Ursula, best line. Cruella, best line. Scar, yep. best yep. line. Yep. You have to follow the Disney formula of the person your antagonist has to be the most well written. They have yes. to be the most interesting yep. person. And Megan yep. was really the most interesting person on screen when she was on screen. And it's so funny because she's not even a person, you know? But she felt I read um in some article where Megan wasn't a presence. She was actually there in your face every step of the way. And the fact that the audience was in on the joke the whole time, like we knew who it was who was killing these people. Mm-hmm. Like there mm-hmm. was no, there was no um shock susp- and awe and twist and turn. We knew it was Megan. There was no suspense of belief. And so it's like, what do you do? How do you keep this going if we already, if the audience is in on the joke? Right. Right. And it's like you you keep things spun and you keep it, I would say, maybe a little unpredictable for the characters who are interacting with Megan, like that uh, that obnoxious boy in the woods. Oh, God. Yep. Just Poor like 
like uh, or or the boss like it's just it's just very well done and Akila cooper was quoted as saying there's an article here from <laughs> from gamesradar.com that's where i'm getting this but she said so i'm quoting this uh, malignant screenwriter Akila cooper pinned the movie megan and a return to something fun was certainly at the forefront of her script we had a period of quote unquote elevated horror which is still good horror cooper tells fs fx S to FX and the latest issue of the magazine featuring Teen Wolf on the cover. There's places for all horror, though I do have to say, personally, as a child of the 80s, I am happy that we're coming back to that 80s sensibility of fun, wild horror. I was happy to have a hand in that last year with Malignant. For horror fans, it's a smorgasbord. They have their pick of what they want to see. Variety is always nice. So reading that, I can see now like the over the topness with malignant but it makes even more sense here with megan because like the some of the kills some of the dialogue and even just like the uh the over the topness with those <laughs> those knockoff furbies that you hated so much i hate them i hate them like the whole thing that they were doing with the commercials in the toy industry and the fact that megan was could sing just like yeah. it was so like it was it was like you're laughing at this movie, but it wants you to laugh at it. It is being intentionally it is being intentionally unintentionally funny. No. No, it, it was being, intentional. No, it was intentionally funny because like I said, it's supposed to be fun. It's supposed to be like and that's why it's it's fun horror. Like it is still scary, but the audience, like I said, is always in on the joke every step of the way. And I think that the way they did that, which is very entertaining, and the fact that it was rated PG-13, I really think helped them accomplish their goal of appealing and marketing and getting teens in the seats. Because when Mel and I went to Magic Johnson, let me tell you, I'm pretty sure over half of that audience were composed of teenagers. Like, I hated they, it. That was the one thing I hated about the whole experience. Honestly. And you know, because you know, the hashtag FTK, but you know, we're, we're grumpy old ladies. Yes, it was like, this was, this is the TikTok generation. And you had all the teens and the kids in there, like laughing and chortling and giving their loud ass commentary. You know, they, they were rolling deep in the theater. And there were also these two adults on our left who were just, oh my God. The commentary from them was nonstop to the point where two people to the right of us left, left in the middle in yeah. the first in the in the first act of the movie, and I think two other people on our on our left a couple rows down also left because the theater was just it was a lot. It was I haven't been in a theater that rowdy since probably when I went to go see Deadpool 2. And that was the closest I've ever gotten to walking out of a film because the the group of children that were there were, oh my goodness, I just, they should not have been there watching that film. And they were so, where were the parents? They were there. Uh, if it was, she uh, she acted more like a guardian than a parent. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But the uh, thing she- that's interesting to me most about the audience and the targeted audience of all of this marketing is the fact that Jason Bloom has been tweeting all weekend about the Rotten Tomato score and thank you for going to see it. And if you're under twi- 25. Oh, yeah, I saw special, that. Thank you. And movies are back. I'm sorry. Movies were back when everybody flooded the theater to go see Scream. Movies were back when everybody flooded the theater to go see Halloween Ends. I agree. Movies have been back before this Megan moment in January. Everybody went to go see Avatar. Everybody went to go see Woman King. Everybody went to go see... Don't worry. Well, not everybody, but some people, you know. (laughs) 
But it's like to 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 frame it that way in this specific targeted audience of like 13, 14, he's just, 15 year old. He's just trying to stake his claim. He's trying to just, you know, be like, we're number one, you know. And I and I get that because this is your baby. But at the same time, like, let's not hold on. Cause we've been here. Cause that's cap. It it's so cap, as the kids would say. It's super cap. It's they probably don't say super cap, but you know, it's nobody cap. says super cap. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Thank you. Thank I. Thank you. Thank you. But I mean, I don't know. It was just. It was that was odd to me. For for like it. this he's, to be he's, his he's, moment. He's hyping it up. I get it. He's hyping it up. He's I, hyping I, it up. I yes. I get it's it. It's fine. But um, I but I mean they they exceeded ex- every expectation they made. 30 million and they have a I think right now they have a freaking 95% on Rotten Tomatoes from critics and I just want to say that is like rare that is so rare for a horror movie to do with critics but also this kind of box office reception in January at the top of the year when right. we just got through the holidays we, we just are exhausted um, and the theater and it's like in January is usually the month where Horror movies go to die. But I think it's also because of the type of movie this is, uh, right? Yep. It can reach a broader audience because mm-hmm. it's not rated R, uh-huh. because it's not a slasher, uh-huh. because it's not like teens having sex in the woods and getting murdered. You know what I mean? It's not like that traditional um, five kids go on a misadventure and end up dead. It's yeah. also not like there's a monster in the closet coming to get me. Uh-huh. It's, it's a very genre crossing thing that could that could entice more people to go see it and the marketing was hilarious the mar- oh the moments from the film that they picked to put in the trailers were were perfect because they were they knew. They unsettling knew. they enough, had to know but it was unsettling enough like that the scene where she's like on all fours in the woods is unsettling enough for the horror people to be like, oh no, I'll go watch this. But everything what? else is is tame enough to where people who don't normally go watch horror films be like, oh, I'll give it a try. And what really rubbed them in was the dance. Yes. The dance. When I tell you that went viral almost immediately after the trailer dropped, that clip was everywhere it spread like while it was on twitter facebook it was on instagram especially on tiktok because that's when you had people recreating it and it's like they they had this perfect set they knew and and if they didn't know they knew then and so they had a little time to repair because now the market that they've been doing is they've been having like a group of megan's walking around manhattan just doing all the things like the dance in different places just walking down the long city blocks and just doing all these synchronized things they were on jimmy kimmel like the marketing is it reminds me of the like the guerrilla style marketing they did for smile because the the megan's were even at a, a game recently like they they got on the field and did the dance like it like, but I, I think that the dance going viral is 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 specifically for TikTok, or oh, specifically no, because of TikTok and it's because Gen of the Z. dance it's culture G- it's, it's that PG- is on TikTok. It's PG thirteen. It's Gen Z. It's a technology gen. It's it's all of these things are just like they tapped into each and every one of them to generate the like the maximum amount of pull, and it's just now I am now. Megan, even though it made thirty million, it didn't dethrone 
Avatar The Way of Water, because Avatar The Way of Water is like SZA's SOS. It is still number one for like a month. Can I tell you, I listened to that album and was not impressed. I don't like it when the first run through of an album front to back, I don't realize we've changed songs. And there were a lot of moments where I felt like one song bled into another song. And then before I knew it. No, no. You didn't like when that happened with Renaissance? That's different. That okay. was a transition. Okay. okay? <laughs> when we transition from oh. one song to another, fabulous for me. When a song bleeds into another one, when I'm on track two, and then I look up and I realize we've moved to track six, there's a problem. I just thought it was because like, maybe she was doing, there were a lot of different genres in there. But all in all, Megan was good. And it's very rare. Jared and I have the same opinion on a movie that just came out. <laughs> Megan was just very well done. And I'm very proud of uh, everyone involved and happy for the reception that it got. And just like, it's just very, um, it is like, it is so amazing to study the marketing and the payoff and being a, when we were watching this movie with this audience and seeing how they were reacting to it and then how people are reacting to it on the internet, it's just really seeing like, how this is it could be the birth of a new franchise i don't know like this could because there's sequels already they, they uh, at this point a sequel um i will not be surprised if by the end of this week it will the sequel will have been announced to be green lighted like they it's got, they it has they have to wait at least until february like they're it's they i did i just think it's full steam ahead at this point like they struck gold and they're they're want to dig they're gonna want to dig deeper with this success so congratulations to megan she did a great job and i'm i'm just very very happy for akila because she's been you know she's been writing for a long time now and this is just i think like an, another gem a very bright one though like in her in her repertoire in her crown so i'm excited for the nun too um if this if megan is any indication of, of what we should expect i don't know but it was it was a good time like it it really i it was very i cannot wait to own it on on um 4k and blu-ray because um the, because the audience was so into it, there were some lines of Megan's I didn't hear. So I can't wait to watch it alone with myself in the quiet to really soak in like maybe some of the parts that I missed, but it was so good. Um, the next thing that we wanted to talk about on the agenda is since it is now 2023, it will have been 10 years since there has been like a, a release in a certain famous horror series not counting tv evil dead rise was coming out on april 21st of this year and the trailer both the you know the regular one and the red band were released um i think around this time last week and oh i mean (laughs) i mean the i mean we're this is so funny because the movie we're doing today but evil dead rise i am so excited for this movie it is definitely probably the most anticipated horror movie of 2023 yet for me and the trailer just it oh the trailer was so good mel actually just watched it before <laughs> before this episode <laughs> i sure did because you should have been on it i don't like to watch trailers sometimes because trailers suck trailers are either very very good or they're very very terrible there's there's never like a mid trailer and this trailer was definitely not mid. The movie takes place in an apartment building and is about a sister who goes to visit her older sister, who is, you know, a mother to 
I think two, two or three kids, and they find the book, you know, the Book of the Dead and the Bowels of the Building. Uh, you know, of course, they fucking read from it, and the mother, you know, gets possessed, and it just becomes like the mother always gets possessed. Almost makes you wish they released this like on Mother's Day weekend or around there or something. But it's it's they're they're gonna warp the mother thing and i'm very excited to see that but the trailer held nothing back there is a certain scene with the all i'm going to say is cheese grater and i'm just i'm very excited for this film because the remake that came out in 2013 uh evil dead oh no but when you talk about the franchise you have to talk about the tv show because the tv show was a pivotal part of why we're getting evil dead rise i've only seen the pilot don't kill me Don't kill me. I need. I know. I need to watch it. I just. I need to get around to it because I. I love Bruce Campbell. But, um, yes. I'm just because this another because they were gonna do like a direct sequel to Evil Dead and then like another one to, or one that was gonna involve Mia and Ash from you know Ash versus Evil Dead. They were gonna do like a direct continuation, but they it just fizzled out. And then another you know sequel or, or or um installment was in development hell for a while but they finally got this one um and it was made i think uh in 2021 i think around the summertime um but it looks it looks just like an evil dead film would look and it has that feel i feel like it's going to be a great like follow-up even if it's not like a direct sequel to um Evil Dead from 2013, because that was a beautiful way to bring the series to modern times. That that I will say that is one of the best remakes, horror remakes I have seen in probably like ever. Like it is, it is very high up there. I I remember seeing that uh, by myself in 2013 because all my friends like they they wussed out or it wasn't their bag so i walked myself to the mall cuz you know the, the greeley mall had the has a has the cinemark right there next to it um i watched it and i i had a time we had a time last night i had a time i enjoyed it i had so much fun like and just the 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 amount of fake blood they had to use i think they had to use more for evil dead rise coming but um i think I just say that to say that I think uh, horror for 2023 is going to continue what 2022 was, which is like, we're going to have another great run here this year. Let's hope. You got to be optimistic. It could go bad. It could, but you got to be optimistic. That What about me says that? <laughs> this is, I have hope for you. I don't know. I don't know what to say, but um yeah, those are really the, uh, our two pages for Negonomicon. We just wanted to kind of keep it, uh, you know, light and cute, although that was probably very long before we jump into um, our our movie that we're creating for the day. And and what a and what a great segue, because we're talking about Evil Dead Rise. But what movie are we creating today, Mel? Evil Dead! Finally. The Evil Dead from 1981. The same generation that Akila Cooper was alluding to when she was talking about fun, wild horror. And I know she had to be thinking of the Evil Dead when she said this. Well, it's just that I think everyone always says that about the 80s, but I think that a large part of why the 80s is the way that it is because everybody was broke. And God, the things you make when you're broke and want to make a movie. Because watching the Evil Dead 
Sam was hungry. But Sam ain't have no money either. You ain't got no Sam, money. <laughs> Sam was hungry. The rent was due. The lights were off. And he had something to prove. Something that made me appreciate this film even more was just reading about the hellish production cycle it had and how Sam and Bruce were like scraping up coins by asking anyone they could, anyone close to them. Like this was like the essential meaning of like crowdfunding. Oh yeah. Yep. Like they would like bare bones, like uh, can I borrow a dollar? Like, hey, if you got it, I need it. Like support me, sponsor me, all this stuff. And I respect it. I respect it so much because just to see where both he and Bruce are now at the at just like their determination and the grit and like I just I I have to I have to commend them. I do because they had an idea, they were passionate about it, and they really pushed and saw it through. Because I I don't know. I think I would have walked off set several times. Well, you would have walked off set because they weren't paying you. Here's a ham sandwich and a juice box. Thanks. There was no condiments. There was no pepper. Dry bread. It was dry. Salt. Like, who is she? It, it it was the it was the it was the it was the top and bottom piece of the bread, and it was a warm Capri Not Sun. Not the ends of the bread. The Not ends. Warm of the, juice. It was the ends of the bread with a warm Capri Sun. The straw was gone. It wasn't on the cup. It wasn't there. God, struggle bus for real. It, they they struggle bus to make this movie, but they made the movie, and it just I'm just I I just have to, I'm I'm like, uh, and he was only twenty. He had just turned twenty. Like what the? I can't, I can't. But there there, and I I see this conversation a lot, right? And I think I've said this before. Sometimes at work, we'll have talks with like college students or or high school students or whatever. And a lot of the stories that are told are about people who moved away and slept on a couch for a year and whatever, whatever. And I think a lot of the success stories we hear, especially in the arts, like painter, dancer, artist, filmmaker, whatever, is that that like I took out a $30,000 loan to make this movie and it paid off. And while that's true for like three out of 10 people, the other seven have declared bankruptcy or are still paying off the loan for the film that no one cared about. You know what I mean? Just caught out there. Yeah. It's just, yeah. and that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just what they did was so risky. Yep. It could have failed. But I think that what a lot of people have to understand too, or what you have to think about is Yes, they luckily they had friends and family members and friends of family members that could give them money, but they also probably called in a lot of favors to to get stuff done and to get people in the film and to get the makeup done, or they did a lot of it themselves. And that's just a lot more work. But that also leads to why the location was the way it was, why the props were the way that they were, because that's either all they could afford or all they could find. So while I always say that when this comes up, because while I want to commend Sam Raimi for the work that he did and has continued to do, what I don't want is for that narrative to be like the example, you know, because it, I know and I know I know it's hard to pay people. It's hard to find money to pay people a living wage to do a thing. 
it's difficult AF when you are broke. Cause there's a, there's a, cause it goes against like that culture. Right. Cause I think everyone's on that. Like um, I heard the other day that this like freshly baby undergrad went on a job interview and asked for $80,000 annual for their salary. And they've never had a job. Like can't use the systems, don't know what's happening, but that's what they deserve for money. Right. And I feel that spirit. <laughs> like, I just, I wish there was an in-between story, you know what I mean? Like where, how do we, how do we come to the middle of these two extremes and are like, this is life. Thanks. Is there a middle? I don't know. Is there a middle? Like, it's just, it is, and you're right, they are such extremes. Because it's also like that Spike Lee thing, too, of like, oh, he directed and and was a lead role, and, 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 and. Well, yeah, because he had a butt ton of help. A butt ton of help. Butt ton. Villagers, we love them. So, I don't know. That is my philosophical <laughs> query for the day. Before we get into what Evil Dead is or what we're going to say, et cetera, et cetera. I want to talk about what the what the plan is for season seven. So eight. it is season eight. It is season eight. So I want to talk about what the plan is for season eight. <laughs> um, so season seven, we did a theme and it went pretty well. And it helped us stay organized on the back end. So I'm pretty sure we're probably going to do themes moving forward now. Mm-hmm. And we were debating on what theme should be the theme for this season. Because there's a ton of things that we could focus on or talk about or discuss. So um, many. So many. And oddly enough, we're still <laughs> lacking on like the Black film moment of it all, I think, for <sighs> a Black film horror podcast, which is very sad to me. So that's something that we're still actively and consciously thinking about and working on. But the we theme, all drive ourselves crazy. Oh, yes. Because if we would have talked about <laughs> all of the Black films that there are, we would there would be none left. But so, a large part of, of what this podcast has always been is, is a foundation for... Um, education i guess and yeah making... that's that's the point of a that's the point of a critique we want to we 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 critique and we bring in these um opinions and and thoughts and uh, you know to kind of open up the ways people think about these films or maybe teaching something they haven't thought before but it's also you know and we do that to each other like maybe mel will say something it's like oh i never thought about it like that before i never saw it that way so it's a big you know learning process for everyone but and it's also to make some of these ideas that may seem out of reach like more accessible because on the scholarly and academic side of things when people talk about anything I think that is pop culture related that ends up in academia. All of a sudden they start talking like they've never spoken to normal people before. If that makes any uh, sense. Oh. You know what I mean? Like, Oh yes. And Christopher said that Freud said <laughs> X, Y, and I'm like, bro, What's you've the, had what a regular conversation. What's the word? What is the word? It starts with a P. Oh, what is the word Mel? Where they're like all uppity. Continue. It's it'll come to me. It'll come to me. But so with that in mind, a lot of the times when we when we critique a film, 
I think that we pretentious. Ah! You said the secret word. That's yes. the word. People That's become the word. very people That's in academia word. become become very pretentious when they pretentious. know a thing, and then they gatekeep that thing as if only other people in academia get to know it, which I think is nonsense. But and we never want to be that way in the show or come across that. That's not what we do. So because of that, I think a lot of times when we talk about a, a movie, we'll talk about the theme or what's happening if one of us is very, very excited about it. But a lot of other times we'll be excited about other things and other films and we'll focus on those things. So in terms of building that foundation, the movies that we've picked this year is to talk about, or this year, ha! This season. For this season is to really start to get into these, these horror tropes and dive into what they are and explain how we got there, right? So along the way, we'll do a possessed doll. We'll do some sci-fi AI things and it will help, I think, you know, get to where some of the things that we touched on before when we were talking about Megan will make a little bit more sense if you're not already well-versed in that subgenre. Because there's so many subgenres of horror and so many other things going on. I think to take a step back and really focus in on y'all have a Necronomicon. What is that? We're about to explain it to you now. (laughs) (laughs) And like all, and like, what is a final girl? How did we get here? And that's a really like big one, right? Everybody at this point should know what a final girl is. But like, what is, what is the idea behind possession? What is the idea behind a mother possessed? What does that mean? And what are we critically analyzing here? I think is, is a really cool way forward, especially right before we're getting to that, that, that centennial moment for us. Yes. So in the world of horror, there's so many tropes to choose from. So we we, we, we kind of had a work cut out for us. You know, there's just so much to, how do we narrow it down? But we thought it would be really fun to start with the Evil Dead because it contains, you know, the the cursed artifact trope, which is the the Book of the Dead, which is, you know, they they it's read from to awake the demons in the woods, you know, all that stuff. So, and there's been, there's so many different like cursed artifacts. Like in Hellraiser, it's that, um, what is the thing that, doesn't pinhead hold a thing yeah the little box the little puzzle box yeah like the puzzle box is like i would say the curse artifact or the mummy it would have been probably the uh the the book of the dead <laughs> hey you the know book of the dead the ring you know? is yeah, the, uh, the tape, the tape. The artifact yep, right yep mm-hmm uh, I mean, but we see it everywhere. Twin Peaks has a cursed artifact. There's a webtoon I love called Witch Creek Road that has a cursed artifact in it. Like the the that trope is there, and it persists. And e- and I I'm glad that you brought up the mummy because I think that the mummy is a more conventional, non horror specific entry point of that. I love the mummy. The mummy the is movie. great. So it's like the it's so it is one of those rare films where it is just so good like it and then like the nostalgia factor but like it excelled in the humor it excelled in the horror oh my god it excelled the adventure like oh i I think that was like probably my first adventure action or action adventure horror film i had seen in my because you know i was what mummy was 99 so i was like how old was i 99 well it was it came out before my birthday so i was like what seven you know but it was one of those ones where it just it made a very big impression on me it was just very 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 well 
done. Shout out to Steven Summers. Like y'all and Brendan Fraser, y'all, y'all did that. Anyway, though, but for the Evil Dead, so we're taking it back to 1981. And as we discussed, you know, a little bit ago, this was very like hands on, bare bones, DIY. Like Sam didn't really, he did not like the, but the budget. I mean, what there was wasn't the, a budget. What, the, <laughs> there's no. The budget was not really there, but Sam had this story, had this idea, and he really wanted he really wanted to get this movie done and bring it to life. So, you know, they did they did what they could, and what they could, <laughs> I think, was very visible in almost every frame, um, even in ones that like didn't makes sense like why 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 when they almost crashed at the very beginning was there that shot of her just like a uh, getting against the window with her just like it's like ah i was like what what does this have to do the production budget for this movie was three hundred seventy five thousand dollars. that's nothing <laughs> especially in this day and age like you were just remember, girl you might as well. That's that's the price of eggs now. <laughs> you better buy you a eighteen count carton of eggs with that three hundred seventy five dollars because it is expensive out here. Um, but yeah, so they didn't like. But that I think I think no, I know actually that is the charm of this film. That is like the beauty of this film that it was so like. There was no major studio. There was no, it was just, it was just them in those damn woods with like self-made rigs and all like tripping over each other. Like, yo, people were getting injured on set. It was a lot going on. They all slept in the same cabin. Uh, there was like, no, it would, there was a lot going on, honey. There was a lot going on, but I just, I think that's the, the, the charm of the film because there, there are several scenes in the woods where it's this big old full moon with like um clouds or smoke coming over it but the moon is actually not the moon the it is actually a sheet yes with the moon projected on that sheet and there are some instances where if you look at the moon closely enough it will move like it will ripple in a way where you're just like wait a minute that's not is, real. Is that a sheet? You know, and it's just like it's it's just very like uh, I love it. I love it because it adds such charm and beauty to the film that wouldn't otherwise be there if it was like a major studio. But like it just you don't you don't get this kind of like I don't know how to say it, Mel. You, it was you, raw. I mean, because if it was a yeah. major studio, there would have it would have been polished, right? And polished doesn't work. It's fucking raw. Yes, it was raw. Right now, with the good and the bad and the ugly, it was it was raw. But let's let's talk about what a cursed object is, right? Before we even talk about what the necronomic, what the the necronomicon is. Oh, see, yeah, here I am getting all excited. But yes, (laughs) so like we said. So like we said, we've seen cursed objects before. Stephen King uses them a lot. We all know what a monkey paw is. Ooh. We've all seen The Conjuring. And what are their last names? The Warrens. The Warrens m- murder basement situation with all those dolls and things. 
a cursed object is really a, a an inanimate thing that has had juju attached to it. Is basically the <laughs> the, the Tom's Riddle's diary. I'm kidding. Well, yes, actually, that <laughs> bad juju on the diary, and now anytime somebody picks it up, the bad juju is put onto them. So, with the Negronomicon in particular, right? That is the Book of the Dead. It is this. It's made of human flesh. Oh Lord! There's teeth and bones and eyes and stuff in it, and there are all of these writings in it that, when you speak them out loud, summon the demons to come for you forever and ever. Amen. <laughs> One by one, we will take you. One by one, we will take you. So, there are a lot of different kinds of curses, but there's, I think, three main ones, right? An, a cursed item that does the opposite of what it's supposed to. Um, a cursed item that has side effects if you use it. And then a cursed item that, like, possesses you, I feel like, are the top three. Because, like, in fabric, right, the cursed <sighs> item was that dress. Uh-huh. And if you wore it, the side effect was that it, it killed you. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> Same thing with, like, the monkey's paw. You make a wish. It doesn't come out as intended. And then, um. like, the the one that doesn't do, like, a cursed shield doesn't protect you or something stupid like that. Oh, the, uh, or the camera from Say Cheese and Die from yes. Goosebumps. <laughs> we really want to, you know, take it back. Um, but yes, the, the cursed object is just, it's not going to do. What it's supposed to do. What you want it to do. It's going to work against you. Or even that mirror. Wasn't that a Goosebumps episode? Or was that Are You Afraid of the Dark? Where there was a mirror in an attic and it was another, and it was another universe and there were goosebumps, mirror people. Goosebumps. Uh, let's get invisible. So, I remember that because I remember the book very clearly. I remember that cover with the floating piece of pizza and the scared cat on the counter. I remember that shit. Um, and yeah, it was the mirror people. And then at the end of the book, he he threw the ball with his right hand, I think it was, or his left hand when the brother was right-handed. right-handed. And then he realized like, oh my God, because y'all done broke the mirror. Girl, I just spoiled it for the people. But yes, um, Yes, the or or um, Oculus. Since we're talking about mirrors, Oculus with the yep. mirror. Yep. That that was such a good movie. Wow, that's another quiet horror film done very well. Um, but yes, and then the- there are ways to like mitigate the curse, or like like in the ring, you pass the curse on to other people, so it can skip you. Yeah. Or like in in Abigail, the, copy. the doll is actually cursed. So wherever the doll is, is where the curse lives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, because Annabelle was a conduit, right, for the yeah. demon. Yeah, yeah. But the Negronomicon is specific in that it really like okay. So what got me was in this one. Well, no, actually, because the ending of it, um, the Negronomicon, uh, Necro, sorry, Necronomicon doesn't seem like it can be destroyed at least not by any like i guess mortal or regular means because in this one i thought like when he threw it in the fire you know they they uh stop motion dissolved you know all that stuff that was awful (laughs) oh girl it was like oh my god but um at the end though 
you saw that there was still something coming after, you know, um, I still want to call him his government name, but his name in the movie Ash, there was, it came after Ash. And then in um, 2013 in the remake, um, it w- it wouldn't burn. Like this book won't burn. So you can't burn it. You can't destroy it. You can't, re- like, it's like the Babadook. So you just try to destroy the book. And the next day it was back on our doorstep all put together and then it had new pages like oh my god that was so genius that oh that was such a good part of that movie oh my god had me going it was just like oh oh you oh you thought what what was the line from madison oh you thought you surprise surprise bitch i bet you thought (laughs) you'd seen the last last of me me. (laughs) but it's like i'm back i'm back I'm back, back, the, back, back in. The history of the Necronomicon is Lovecraftian, interestingly enough. Exactly. So it, that's where, and that's why originally um, the movie was titled The Book of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Um, because Sam was so inspired by um, HP. But um, when they started getting, you know, um, studio and production backing, um, it was suggested they do another title because the original was kind of like, was a mouthful it could be off-putting and then that's and it needed to be something original so that's where um sam brainstormed and came up with uh the evil dead which i think really did work out in the in its favor because yeah. i think the whole thing where it's like the evil dead like it just that that the does something it's definitive yeah yeah yep I it's agree. like oh you're that girl you know <laughs> But so this is an interesting conversation when you get into the history of what the Negronomicon is, is this weird conversation about the appropriation of like sacred texts from indigenous peoples. (laughs) Well, and what that means for a white racist person to have written this thing into pop culture that's some new information hp lovecraft oh yes i forgot about that (laughs) i did i i did yes so it's just like it's the spirits getting their lick back i guess because yeah the only people who read this book are white every time it's the same thing ouija board it's just like i'm not gonna mess with that it's just like i I mean, and I knew what we—I knew what was going to happen when I saw the Evil Dead Rise trailer. I mean, I read the synopsis, but it was like when they found the book, I was like, "Don't even!" I said, "Don't read." I was like the guy from the Mummy. Don't read from the book. You, you must know. not read from the book. It's always interesting to me. So but they always read from it. They but that they, 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 there's always a man that records stuff. himself reading it. Why are you recording this? This ain't no it? freaking audio book. This ain't Audible. I was. I was just- mad at. Oh my god! When they were like, "Let's bring this stuff upstairs," why? I was like, "Sir, why? For what? What was the reason?" Oh my god! Like, it, I just the situational awareness—it's not there. It's never no. there for them. It's just never there. The only person it was there for was um, where she was like, "Turn it off." It's terrible. It's not gonna let us sleep. Oh my god! <laughs> so, and I think that's what also made this movie work so well was it was so over the top on purpose like this is a movie that you i had a spirit i had an experience in college during halloween where we all got in the basement and we watched this like on the big old you know uh flat screen down there but you know like it was mounted and it was part with the 
with uh her in the woods in the tree and i just remember like our it was like the volume in the room kept rising the more the scene kept going and then it was just like that one part where the branch just Mm -hmm. when i tell you we all screamed at the same time i think two of us fled the room it was such a fun time it was this movie is so deliciously over the top 80s goodness Mm -hmm. like this is a real crowd pleaser this is why when um they start doing when sam and and then start doing like the release and they're released like at their at the local theater that uh Bruce Campbell grew up watching movies in and they they generated like an audience of around um was it a thousand people? It was a big audience, but it's like this is this is a movie that's meant to be seen with like it's it's horror, it's a communal experience. It's meant to be seen with like a group of people or a large crowd because it just has that kind of it's gonna inspire those kind of reactions. And I don't know if I don't know if they knew that while filming or nobody I, ever knows that while filming, and people who say they do are liars. <laughs> okay well i'm just gonna trust you but um i just feel like they 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 did this in a way where it was just so like because evil dead is yes there's a story but i think evil dead the evil dead is an experience and what is there to be said about a film that feels like an experience Rather than just like a film that is just you know that it's it's there to just be watched. Like I feel like you don't just watch The Evil Dead; you experience that, especially if it's your first time seeing it. Because it was it was right up there with like uh, especially with the special effects because they were so like crude and and gross and uh, like there are a lot of moments where I'm just like this is very like it's giving the thing. Yeah. A low, a low, more low budget. The thing. Yeah. Okay. Yes. There there are iconic moments like homegirl being locked in the cellar for two thirds of the movie. Lord Jesus. She was down there for a long time. So good though. So good. (laughs) Um, but yeah. So what, what specifically, cause had you, you hadn't seen this before, right? Or have you? No, I because I told you in college. Thanks to I've seen I've seen it. I had seen it before. Um, I think I'd seen it before college, but my most memorable experience is watching it with my group of friends in college. This is like yeah, this is freshman year. This is freshman year. So fall 2011 is when we we put it when we put it on for the for Halloween. Cause like every Friday, I think we were watching a horror movie as a group, and The Evil Dead was one of them. And that was my most memorable experience with the film. Cause I do think that night was at least a couple people's first time seeing it. And it's just I just remember it because it's like I, again, it's very 80s and it's one of those. 80s horror films that not only stands out but is able to stand completely on its own because it just i feel like the the evil dead was a precedent for a lot of i don't know like i i felt like it there's there's been a lot of the evil dead echoes or inspirations in other horror films everywhere for the rest of its natural born life everywhere (laughs) (laughs) and that's just very impressive one thing, though, that I think is interesting. Did you see what happened with all of the controversy when it was on HBO? 
Do they think it was too much? So the thumbnail of the, the poster of Evil Dead is this woman like clawing for life and a hand yeah, coming out yeah, to grip yeah, her, right? Yeah. So there was this coalition of folks that are the same, always the same coalition of folks that were petitioning HBO to change the thumbnail because it promoted domestic violence against or violence against women. I did not know that. And because of that, HBO edited out the hand. So it was just this woman with nothing choking her, right? And every horror community group that I am a part of rioted. (laughs) <laughs> rioted at the removal of this hand because y'all why are y'all trying to make it safe or but i don't like this newfound like wave of revisionist history that i feel like is happening because the same thing happened with the 30 rock episode when they removed the episode with what's her name we're in blackface it's weird you know what i mean like i feel like things kind of need to exist as they are and then be examined within the time that they were made. Because it's it's giving, it's, and I know that a lot, I hate when people say this, but I'm going to say it, it's giving Orwellian, it's giving, let me go back in time and remove this from history because no one likes it anymore and it makes me itchy. So when you say when it was put on HBO, are you saying like, was this recent? Like yeah. modern day? Oh, wow. Like a year ago, maybe two years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. That's all I have to say about that. Wow. Because the the I bring this up to also bring up one of the most, because everyone talks about this movie, right? When you Google a podcast about this movie, there's a lot, there's a ton of them. There's a lot of blogs. Um, I'll get to the scholarly stuff in a minute because there is none, which is crazy to me. But one of the most talked about scenes is the the quote unquote like rape scene with the trees the tree, and everything. The tree, yeah, the tree. Because it was just that's the one that sticks out the most, and that's also the one scene that was used extensively um in the remakes marketing. Like I think it was on a poster. Yes. Like it was just it's um and it was done like the the scene was done differently in in the remake than it was in um the, in, the in, the, in the original but it was st- i feel like it was still very like it still would get like they'll say it would get similar reactions because it's just very like it's a lot it's a lot but that's the it's the it's the boat like this movie is not tame in any way shape or form it's a, right it's it's supposed to be a lot and i know that there's always a fine line when it comes to to violence against women and like mutilation in that way but it's just it's a weird conversation to have in in the time that we live in. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Because how do you examine how do you unbiasedly examine a a male written and directed horror film with that type of very specific violence? And I don't have it an articulate enough answer for that in this moment because i always and, and maybe, back to, and maybe that's okay we don't have to answer every question right but i but mean but it's something them. to think let's, about let's think about it 
Right. Because when you when you, when we look at these movies, the way that we look at them, that is one of the things that I think about a lot is like, how how do you come from this in a way that is. Like as unbiased as possible, because I always go back to this this interview that Dario Argento did like forever ago when he was like, I'll always I always love the scream of a beautiful woman or something along those lines. Like I'm paraphrasing at this point, but there there is like a sadism aspect right of the person who is making the movie and what they think is sensational and what they think you know what i mean oh yeah sam was torturing these oh sam was throwing these people through the freaking ringer because let's okay because let's kind of get into oh wait but before we get into that i do want to say too that in doing research for this episode I, I always try to find as many scholarly articles as, as possible just to see what else is being talked about, about whatever it is that we're talking about. There are no. Well, no, that's a lie. There is one <laughs> academic book about the Evil Dead as a series and as a standalone film that was just written. 2021. It is thirty dollars. I did not pay the thirty dollars. Because no. And I couldn't find a PDF. I couldn't find an article. I couldn't find anything in that book. But it it is astounding that something that is so pop culturally relevant has not been analyzed in the way that like all of Ridley Scott's films or all of David Lynch's catalog has been analyzed over the years. So there's that. Uh, What's going on, people? Is this, do y'all not have anything in your academic circles discussed about this film? Because I feel like there's just so much here. But that goes, it goes back into what, what, what society thinks of horror. Because for years, it wasn't studied academically because people thought it was a trash genre. Then in like the 90s, early 2000s, people were like, oh, no, wait, this is cinema. But then you want to hand pick which parts of the cinema are cinema. (laughs) And for some reason, the Evil Dead has been like left on the ground floor until now, until we get all of these like reboots and remakes and resurgences of the the society in mass wanting to watch and rewatch and be a part of whatever the evil dead is. So I don't know. Come on, students. Let's research. I don't know. But um okay, so when I was in um college and I took some creative writing courses. You know, I, I think I've said this before on here, but I had a professor, his name was Nick Brown. Hello, Nick. I hope you're doing very well. Um, and he he had this, he had this saying that he would say, and I believe he was right, but he would say, torture your protagonist. And I think that um Sam, <laughs> I think he took that personally because all them characters were his protagonists and the actors were playing them and he was like i gotta torch the actors because the production just sounded like it was pure hell yeah yeah but i mean i think that's also what happens when we have a shoestring budget because i have to pay for this camera i can't i can't pay for a a safety person (laughs) 
We don't have Ooh. band-aids. <laughs> we don't have risk management. Just look out for yourselves. Just like pay attention. Don't fall in the hole. Don't fall in the hole. Like it's it's great. Like it reminds me of when I when I was reading about it, it reminded me of how hellish um it sounded making um aliens, the the sequel to Alien to Alien from uh, you know, um nineteen seventy-nine with you know Sigourney Weaver like yeah it that uh aliens I almost probably did it just when y'all seriously like go on go on the internet and read about the production for aliens it sounded like hell and people did not like it like eat like with um with the evil dead um apparently a lot of arguments broke out on set like girl people went through it with this but it was again it was like a it was a village thing because a lot of the actors and stuff were um, um, people that uh, Sam or Bruce already knew. It kind of reminded me of Artists Unknown <laughs> and a, in a bit where it's just like, oh, my God, like, um, I know somebody who can do this so they can come. In. Like, I just I loved it because it's just like you're really utilizing your network. And then also Sam did this thing with. um uh fake shimp which is like you know it's a it's a it's a type of body double that will be used in the place of the original actor if for some reason they're not available to do the shot like there will be i think there was one shot where uh ash or somebody is supposed to be moving like the curtain in front of the window but it was actually sam's hand that did it and i think sam's brother was was doing a lot of like the fake shimp shots like i just thought that was so interesting like everybody had a part in this um like on and off camera and i just again it just really adds to the charm of this movie and when it came to the scares um with the with the possession and just all the the violence like uh bruce campbell was getting bitch slapped left and right like flying over the room like um people were getting stabbed in the ankle with pencils and like the, the people were getting like mel you cannot tell me that that was not a puppet from spirit halloween yes twice like so obviously a puppet bought from the spirit halloween when he was hitting when he was trying to get her back down into the the cellar like i'm like it would cut and you it's a pup you can tell it's a puppet yes and I, but i'm not mad i wasn't yeah, mad that's what it. i'm saying that's what i'm saying it's like it's so oh my god like it's it's because they 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 didn't have a budget and it's so obvious but it just it just like i said it added to the charm of it all it really did and um, I really like the whole fact that uh, that it was Sam running through the, because one of my favorite things about this movie um, is the 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 cinematography when it came to a lot of the shots of when it's like the the demon um, going to the woods to get to them or to get to the cabin, and really it's just to do that. It's really just Sam. Um, with the camera or with the camera attached to something, but he's just running through the woods. He's just running through the woods with the camera wildly, like jumping over trees, like really just running through the woods. And then the the final shot when it's uh the the demon on its way to uh Ash, 
apparently that was the camera um, on a bike. And the bike was just going straight down through the cabin to, like, I just, I, it's so genius to me because it's so simple. But I think, I think that's the interesting thing, right? When you, when you. I love those shots. But it's, it's, that's, we had, we worked with what we had. <laughs> and what, I think what, it's what, that what thing. Did, what did, what did Junk Mariah say? I'm going to do the best, best I can with what I got. What I got. <laughs> I got this garbage bag and it will be couture and you will eat it. Thank you. You were hungry. I fed you. You're welcome. Maxi challenge one. Like, here you go. But work, it's work. like when you you ever write something, do you, you have you ever been in a situation where you've written something and then you read it out loud or somebody reads it and then they come up to you and they're like, oh my God, Jared, this one specific metaphor right here really touched me because I could see that you were doing this and this and this. And you're just like, uh-huh, uh-huh, yep. And you had you didn't do any of that, but I'm gonna you're gonna say you did because clearly I did, right? I think that that happens a lot of the times with films from the 70s and the 80s, especially that are really, really, really low budget. Because it's like, oh my God, Tim, you, I could see that you were talking about this because you shot it this way and, and it's just. Tim is just like, just, just smile and wait. Yeah, smile yeah. and nod. I'm glad you got it. I'm glad you, you right here, you, you know, you see me. You see me, you do. And like, I'm not mad. I'm not mad, but I just, I, I feel like a lot of this is invention from necessity. Yes. yes. I have $30 and I need this shot. What, what was the line? I have $3. <laughs> 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 Born a necessity, but it just, the payoff was incredible um, because, you know, they made the film, they edited it, they they edited it and did all these things, and then they they got backing from um, some studios and people to market it like uh, here and in the UK. But the biggest thing was they got the they got the one up, they got the they got the the sign off from Stephen King himself. He and that and that's what they put on the freaking um, cover, yeah, uh, uh, the poster because Stephen King called it the most ferociously original horror film of the year. And it's Stephen King in the 80s with horror when he did that, when he saw it, because he it got screened at the 1982 Cannes Film Festival out of competition. And freaking Stephen King happened to be in the audience, saw the film, and gave it a rave review. And I think after that, it was just... It was just How did they get into Cannes? Um, Shapiro, um, Irvin Shapiro, mm. he who was also responsible for the distribution of George A. Ramiro's Night Living Dead. Um, he saw the film, and while he was like, you know, it ain't, it ain't perfect, but it has potential. So he 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 was like, okay, I'm 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 down with distributing it, and he got it into cans. Wow. So. Stephen King, Stephen King saw it and gave a big old review. He gave, you know, two thumbs way up. <laughs> and from there, it was just like, it took off because Stephen King was like, it was the eighties. It's Stephen freaking King and it's horror. And it just, it, yeah, that was, that was the one. It, it just goes to show you only, what's the line from Lady Gaga? In a room full of no's, you only need one Yes. 
<laughs> and Stephen King was our yes. And it's just, I think that was, I think that's just so beautiful that, you know, that, and I know, and I know for Stephen King, it was genuine. Like he wasn't even trying to like, there was nothing for him to gain from giving that film like a rave review. But the fact that he really, by doing that, he really put Sam and Bruce and this movie on like it I'm just very I I love reading about that and just seeing how it happened because after that when people you know got the big it's like when a book makes it to Oprah's book club mm-hmm. it just blows up I think something good to, to note is that like in a lot of of films in general right there's more than one thing happening uh-huh and there's a lot of other things happening in Evil Dead that I think add to what add to why this film does what it does. So I think one trope is the corpse as an abomination, right? And it, it leads us into that like uncanny world of of trying to avoid this dead thing at all costs because it is grotesque in that way, and that is the the antithesis of what people want. <laughs> and, because it's and, like the, it, it's the it's like dead and alive right alive versus dead yeah but it's it's kind of like that thing too like when you're sick right and there's mucus coming out of your nose whatever like you automatically don't want to touch it because it is not of you and i think that the reanimated corpses especially in this way where they are actively bleeding and actively aggressive feed into that like oh god don't touch me oh my god no oh my god uh, oh my god uh. um and that was this whole movie oh my god every five seconds like uh and uh, it's like the the gore the 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 prosthetic like the the masks which were obviously which were so obviously masks and like the makeup and just everything like um Shout out to Mr. Tom Sullivan, who was a special makeup effects person. Like, you just like we like I said, we know there was no budget, and y'all did what you could, and you did what you could, sir. Um, and it worked though because it was it was gross. Like it was very like, oh! yes, it was very. Like, it was oh my very. god! Like how did y'all like the like the ankle? Oh my god, the ankle. That ankle was a lot. Uh, the it was just y'all, but y'all did that. Y'all really, y'all really did that. I but I had a question for you, Mel. I had a question mm-hmm. for you. With this being a cursed artifact, how was it able to kind of still operate even before it was read from or before the tape was played? Because um, the dead hand drawing the Necronomicon, um, the voices in the woods, like the 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 steering wheel that turned by itself how was it able to still operate outside of its like outside of the the known trope of being read from for like i was confused about that because i think that the, in this instance right the negronomicon is also can be seen as a book of spells and when we realize later on in the film that this man had already been in this cabin with his family and read from this book and conjured up all these demons. I think that we realize that they don't just go away. Mm. Right. Once the demons have been conjured, it's like, that's the the same thing with a Ouija board. Once you say hello, if you don't say goodbye, we're still in the room. (laughs) 
<laughs> Thank you so much for this. So I think you realize too, right? The, 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 that the other trope here, the, the, the cabin in the woods with the five teens on a misadventure, that the, movie as well. the, the demon forces are pushing them towards this, init- this, this outcome. Yeah. Because they are, yeah. the goal here for the demons is to possess people and bring them back to hell or wherever it is, the, the Cthulhu yeah. land that they come from. Yeah, one by one. And in order to do that, we must read from the book. But to get them to read from the book, they, we must bring them to the book and have them find the book and Influence set up all of these them. things. Yep. Yep. Because the trap door popped open by itself. Right. Yep. So there were all of these demonic forces that had that were there because of this man that had previously read from this book, pushing them into this inevitability of dying a horrible, possessed death. R.I.P. <laughs> <laughs> I can't recommend the Evil Dead enough to even like the 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 casual or unfamiliar like horror. Like I just it's I just disagree. I disagree with you. I don't think that the Evil Dead original is one to watch if you have not stuck dipped your toes into this pool before. Oh well, the, no. I said it because I just, I just want them to be hit with it. I just want them to be. <laughs> but there's a there's a lot to overcome in terms of quality, right? And I think oh, that yeah. like, oh, yep, you're some right. of those kids right. we were and with watching Megan. Oh would not... no, they would have. Oh no, the TikTok generation for the Evil Dead, they would not appreciate this film at all. They would rip it. To... Oh, you're right. You're de- you're so right. You're so right. I'm, You'd have to watch you. the remake first. Thank you. Thank you for telling. Thank you. Thank you for for walking that back for me. Because that, yeah, I, I I don't know what I say. I'm sorry, but you're <laughs> right. You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, for the casual, I would more recommend the 2013 because it would be more polished and maybe more, you know. But yeah, this the Evil Dead is very like I feel like now it's a cult classic. It's it's very. It's very niche and it has definitely earned the title of cult classic. But yeah, it's very like, you know, you you have to be, yeah. This is you're right because I'm, I'm I'm just I'm oh now you really got me trying to picture the teens that went to go see Megan this weekend trying to sit down and watch this wouldn't make it. Oh my goodness, you're they absolutely would not right. make it, or they you're, would they would murder it. They would lambast the this film. Oh my god! And oh, oh. So there's that. You're right. You're <laughs> right. But I mean, if you haven't seen The Evil Dead, um, and maybe you're you have you're you're okay with like low budget, uh, check it out. But if you haven't seen it and like you you're more like modern day horror part whatever i highly recommend seeing the 2013 remake first to get familiar with the source material before you go back and maybe take a view just so you don't um rip it to shreds like unfairly if that makes sense but um also i this movie is highly recommended for group viewing like this this makes perfect like halloween time group friend viewing like you invite some friends over and y'all just 
like it's just a Halloween time, it's spooky season, and you you turn on a film just for fun. Like y'all can be like everybody uh watching Halloween um in in Scream. Yes. That could be y'all watching the Evil Dead because it is a hoot. It is it's a film, y'all. And it is it is an experience. Like shout out to how do you say his last name? Who? Sam's. Sam Raimi. So it is Raimi. So shout out to Sam Raimi um, and also Bruce Campbell, who, you know, helped produce and all that. You know, that's been his partner. I did not know that they grew up together mm-hmm. and they had been shot. I think I love that. I love that. Like from the sandbox to Hollywood. I love it. I love but it. But that's a lot of the success stories that we hear about because like Barry Jenkins, his crew, yep. his cinematographer and his producer or whomever, they met in film school. When they were like early twenties or whatever it was, so you had yeah. like a lot of these people who are very. But successful. I, but I think Bruce Campbell and uh and Sam Raimi knew each other like since childhood. Like I said, since the sandbox. I just think that's awesome. Like y'all grew up together, and this is the only. I think that is so odd, and like they're frequent collaborators. I love it. I love it so much. We could. We should all be blessed with like a a um a friendship like that. You know. That that uh, a, a healthy aspect of it is a creative partnership. Like I just I love that, I love that so much. So shout out to them for, um, you know, such uh, a for giving us this and the fact that Sam turned twenty shortly before production began. I just I, I that kind of tenac- tenacity, like uh, and hunger and 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 fervor and like I just I. I got I respect it so much because you're so young and like it really it really is inspiring because like I said I'll, I'll be the big three O this year and I just like making movies is hard work it is not easy and it really does take a village and the fact that like he was he really stuck this one out and was real like he really like was vulnerable by asking for funding for it from like everybody that he knew I just I have to respect it I I really do um and yeah that that was the evil dead and you know our season premiere (laughs) oh my god (laughs) we're back (laughs) um any final curls for you mel um no i don't think so everything's pretty copacetic at this point yeah um like i said i'm just having you back and uh you know we're still premiering on thursdays that hasn't changed um, and so, you know, just keep following the socials um, for more posts and everything. And um, can I speak for the both of us if I say, like, we're really going to try to do more movie reviews this year? Oh, like written ones? Yeah. Yes. And, you know, post them up on there, uh, you know, tell you about the movies that we saw recently and all this stuff. Um, and do more pop culture posts on the on the Instagram or what have you. Like, we just really want to increase our... Uh, social media presence and being active especially because we've been so dormant for like the past two months so we miss you guys very happy to be back um and also uh the last of us premieres uh this sunday on HBO are you Max. done with the game that's my final curls are you finished i i feel like i'm on like the final act um i am on the section of the game called the hunt so uh joel daddy joel has been injured my god daddy joel has been injured almost fatally um after uh the trip to university of 
Eastern Colorado, which I thought was hilarious because I graduated from the University of Northern Colorado. And the fact that they went to Colorado tripped me out. I was like, I'm from there. Oh my God, I loved it. Uh, Because, you know, they reunited with his brother and then uh, Joel was going to, you know, give the responsibility of Ellie to him, but then decided not to because he realized, you know, that's not that's not right. That's not his place. And this is this, like, we've been through so much, you know, this is my, this is what I got to do. Um, then when they went to college to try to find the fireflies, fireflies were not there, but they got like ambushed by like this group of men who, when we found out later that apparently they were there for food, but it just seemed like they were there to kill us. But Joel got injured in the process. Then we're in the mountains somewhere and Ellie runs into like this man and his crew and uh, sticks it out with them while trying to get medicine for Joel, but then gets kidnapped. And now the game has switched back to, because I was at Ellie for a little bit. Now I'm back to Joel trying to rescue Ellie. And then I got to the part where now we're back to Ellie, who has escaped her confines and is trying to escape the man and his men that are shooting at her in like wide out blizzard conditions. Like it is, it is very intense right now. I am, I have, I have, barely any bullets left i only got one little knife <laughs> you better they, make it work they everywhere i'm just like make I'm, it work. I'm very nervous i need i don't know where uh daddy joel just killed two guys getting information for where ellie is so he's about to come back and it's just a lot right now but i love this game i've had it for over a year i cannot believe it's taking me this long to finish it adulting i don't know um but I was telling my little brother because uh, he had called me shortly before recording that um, I just cannot believe that it took me this long to get into this game, like to play it because it came out, I think, 10 years ago, you know, in 2013. And um, but I was I'd never had a I never what dipped into Sony or the Microsoft systems. I was always a Nintendo from birth you know from the get-go and i finally got like a ps4 uh, i think during like the quarantine days back with uh with you know when uh covid first began and that's when i got into all these games that i didn't get into previously because my nintendo loyalty and also first person shooters and all that i just couldn't get into not to say that this is that but i the story is just so rich like uh i think neil Neil Druckerman, yes, Neil Druckerman, who is like the writer and creator of you know the Last of Us. I like I got to give it up for him because this story is so rich and expansive and emotional, and that's the biggest thing that I love about this game is the the story. Like it's just it's it and it's so cinematic and the acting and like the motion capture and like the 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 state like nuts. I don't think I can call them stages or levels, but you know, like the way everywhere we're going in the story, like it's just so, Oh, I cannot. And I cannot wait for this show. I cannot wait for this show. But the fact is I can wait. Cause I need to finish the game. Cause I cannot, I don't want to walk into, I can't watch the show. If I haven't finished the game, I got it. It's like, I can't watch the movie. If I haven't read the book, you know, I got to finish the game. So I think yes, I'm close and I will be done by this sunday i will be i don't know i should probably just go to bed though because it's late i need i got work in the morning but i almost want to turn it back on and see if i can make it out with ellie i don't know but i i'm gonna finish it i'm gonna finish it mel i'm gonna finish it i'm almost done tell brandon tell the world i'm almost done but yes i 
uh, I'm so glad Daddy Joel's okay because that I was I was over here panicking a little bit when he fell and you know he got impaled and the whole thing with the heartbeat and his vision is going in and out like that was a very intense moment of the game for me and I'm just like oh my god what is happening but I'm very I love it um, also I finally made it to, to season five of The Walking Dead and um, the season five premiere of The Walking Dead titled No Sanctuary is one of the best episodes of the series I have ever seen. Um, like we got Rambo Carol, uh, Feral Daddy Rick, like um, all these um, reunions and um, just the also like in with with the because these two are related, like uh, The Walking Dead and The Last of Us, like where I am in them because there were just like the inhumanity, like this whole thing where you're surrounded by monsters, but then you become the monster and just like seeing what some people have become and resorted to in this world, even though there's already monstrosities everywhere else. It's just, it's so like crazy because spoilers for The Walking Dead, where I am, like the Terminus, like, yeah, I, I just, they brought people in to only steal from them and then corral them for like actually treat them like like they were because they were they were eating them they were it was cannibalism they were they were they were hitting them over the back of the head and and slitting their throats and blood led them and then chopping them up and i just like i just and then with the last of us we just got to the part where they realized like they're eating people because mm-hmm. he's, he's he's chopping them up on the like yo i just i yeah I I love how I'm watching and playing two things that kind of are playing into each other with the themes and the content and it just it's it's a lot right now. But uh The Walking Dead is like, oh my God, like I was not expecting Terminus to be what it was and what a start to the season. That was some of the best written and acted and directed episodes of the whole show. I know I have a bit more I know I have a ways to go because I'm only in season five, but wow, like did they ever did 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 Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick, ever win any Emmys? Because Jesus, that man can like I don't know where he had to go. I don't know. I don't think so. To 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 get, like get feral, but oh my god, he he acts so well. But yes, Mel, I will finish. I'm having a great time with it. So <laughs> uh, that was very long winded. But thank you guys so much for um, listening to our season premiere of Scary Crit. We have missed you so much. See you in the future, podcast people. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>